Children's Chapel, you're dismissed. There you go. Good deal. Mark chapter 6, we're going to begin with verse 7. The Word of God declares, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse. But be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Let's pray. Father, I love you and praise you. I thank you for this time you've given us, Lord, to assemble in your house in your name and to worship you and bring praises to you, Lord. Lord, we love you and we do praise you and thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings you've bestowed upon us, Lord. Most of all, Lord, we praise you and we're grateful and thankful for the salvation that you've provided for us through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, as I break the bread of life, just take your word and, Lord, just speak to hearts. May it reach its intended purposes. Give me the words to say, Lord, that I might present Christ. And, Lord, let me preach with boldness and authority your truth laid upon my heart. Lord, you've heard the prayer request, both spoken and unspoken. We just ask that your will be done with each of these. And, Lord, again... I know not the spiritual condition of those I stand before, but if there's one that needs to come, may they have liberty to do it. Please, again, forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. For it's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Please be seated. I want to speak to you a little bit on the subject of being separated and sent out to serve. Uh, just think about it, this was an exciting time for the disciples. Now, for three years, they were with Jesus. And Jesus taught them. They witnessed his teaching, his wisdom. They witnessed his miracles. And now the time has come you, for him to send them out to minister. See, before he did all the ministering. As his apprentice, he believes that they're now ready, so he's going to send them out. Now, if you look at this group, uh, if we were a Fortune 500 company, believe me, we wouldn't have picked not a single one of these 12 because they weren't educated. They were fishermen. 
One was a revolutionary. One was a betrayer and thief. Wasn't even saved. One had a temper like you wouldn't believe. He just soon cuss you to your face. I'll say one thing about Peter. He didn't cuss you behind your back. He cussed you to your face. But again, as we look at the disciples, as Jesus has prepared them for this time, as we look at them, we say, wow, what a bunch of rejects. But understand, Jesus knew these men better than they knew themselves, and these very men, these 12, well, really, these 11, I won't count Judas, but these 11 literally turned the world upside down for Christ. Think about that for a second. So now it's time. He has commissioned them. Look at verse 7 again. And he called unto him the 12. When he saw these men, especially those on the seashore of Galilee fishing, he said, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And the Bible says they quickly dropped their nets and they followed him. But they were commissioned, they were called for this purpose. But let me also say, you and I that have been saved have also been called, not just to be saved, but to service. We are called to serve the master. Amen? So many times, people are just glad to get saved, going to go to heaven by the skin of their teeth, and they don't want to serve God at all. There's a lot of folks out there like that. You say, well, preacher, that's kind of judging. No, that's just calling it like it is. You want me to prove it? Look at the pews. Folks, we've been commanded to come to church. It's not ever an option. Where are they? Now, I'm not talking about those that are sick. God knows that. I understand that. We all get sick sometimes. But I'm talking about those that refuse to come because they've got something else they'd rather do than serve the Lord. But notice, and he called unto him the twelve, and he began to send them forth two by two. Does anybody know why? That's something that we do all the time in visitation and in ministry, two by two. But you, do you know why? It's a good witness, but it's also, it's also keeping up with the law. You see, the law required at the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. You see, the Lord was all about keeping things in order. So he sends them out two by two. And, and let me just say this too. Also... It's a whole lot easier to have a brother there with you when you are witnessing to someone because that brother can be praying for you while you're talking one-on-one with a person. And let me just say this, and 
After many years of ministry and witnessing, you want to take a person with you to pray, but only one of you should try to interject with that individual that you're speaking with. Not two, because that bows them up. They feel like they're being bombarded. So, FYI, when you go out to witness, designate who is going to do the speaking. But two by two, he sent them out. And if you will, commentaries I've read, I've even heard some preachers say this is the order and the persons that the Lord sent the disciples out to. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. Matthew 10. Beginning in verse 1. And when he had called unto and when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. Now that's the name of the twelve that he sent out. And there's lots of scholars say that they are in the order that he sent them out. Of course it kind of makes sense that he would send out brothers, okay? But then we get to the last two, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I think I know why he sent Simon the Canaanite with Judas. Now, we know Judas betrayed our Lord, right? We know that he was a thief. He took money from the treasury. He held the bag. But you see, Simon the Canaanite was a revolutionary. He was a zealot. In fact, Luke calls him zealotes, but he's a zealot. And he come from a rigid, revolutionary group politically. And when the Lord had him and Judas go together, he didn't have to worry about Judas trying to run roughshod because Simon wouldn't have put up with that. He wouldn't get over on Simon. Do you see? The Lord knows every single detail about us. He knows what is best for us at all times. Now he sends them out two by two and then it says and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now understand, 
that power that he's talking of. At that time before the word of God was completed, the power that he gave the disciples to cast out unclean spirits and to heal the sick was the power that gave them the one ability to do what they were called to do. But it was also the power to be used so it would authenticate that Christ was who he claimed to be. After the first generation and the Bible was completed, we no longer have the ability to do exorcisms. This stuff you see on TV, and you hear about hooey fooey. Because no one has that power. Okay? No man has that power today. We were coming out of San Diego. Saw the biggest sign on the freeway. Palm reader. And I thought, dear Lord, you know I could save people a lot of money. I can read their future. I can Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Deny the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. There. There's your fortune. Pretty simple, isn't it? But pay, people will pay them crazy people to take their palm and go, oh, this line means that and this line, oh, you're going to, oh, honey, you're going to meet that hunk of a man. Baloney. Baloney. These, there you go, sister. You were fortunate. They didn't have to tell you, right? The point is this, though. God equipped them. And do you know when he saved us and he called us into service, he equipped every one of us. He has given us unique talents and gifts to be used for his glory and his service. Amen. He's given us all of those things. Notice what he says. And he called the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And again, it was to authenticate who he was. That's why he gave them power. Now these were ordinary men, but they were filled with the Spirit of God. Notice, he's sending them out for the first time to minister and he's sending them out to various places you see sometimes God just doesn't call us to stay in one place amen when I first surrendered to the ministry I thought I'd be in Arkansas the rest of my life I'm here in Las Vegas and hey took a little getting used to and I'll be the first to tell you when first, at first we moved here, I thought, Lord, why? You know why? Because God's got people everywhere. And there's people everywhere that need to hear the gospel. That's why. And this is home. This is home. Notice what it says. And commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. Now, can you imagine he's got... The disciples around him, he says, now, 
I want y'all to go out two by two. You head this way. You head that way. You head this way. And by the way, don't you take nothing for the journey. <coughs> don't you imagine they all had questions? What? We're not to take nothing? No. Why? Why did he ask them not to take nothing? So they would live by faith and trust the Lord to meet their needs. That's why. And that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it, folk? To live by faith and trust him to take care of it. Because we tend to walk not by faith but by sight. We open the refrigerator. There ain't nothing there. We look in the cabinets. There ain't nothing there. We open our wallets. There ain't nothing there. But beloved, you trust God. He will supply your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice, and He commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, a walking stick, y'all. Okay? No script, that's a travel bag. No bread. No money in their purse. But be shod with sandals. Now, he wanted them to have sandals on their feet. Well, yeah, have you ever walked in Palestine? It's nothing but rock and dirt. Okay, notice, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. Does anybody know why he commanded them not to put on two coats? Anybody know? The reason they were commanded not to put on two coats was because in that time, a person was considered rich if he had two coats. Think about that for a second. What's Jesus trying to say? No, 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 no. You don't go out there and put on airs. You're not better than anyone. You make yourself fit in with the people. And there's times, and I'll get in trouble, there are times that one, you watch these preachers on TV and they wear $1,000 suits, they show up to church in a limousine, they fly in all over the country when they hold revivals and, and meetings and fellowships, and you wonder when the Lord told the disciples, huh, you depend on me, you don't take nothing with you, I will meet your needs, and then you wonder these preachers thinking that they're better than everybody else. I'll get in trouble for what I'm fixing to say, but it is the truth. Every one of those rascals on TV you see today, now there's a, there's a few, I'll back up, there's a few that I won't say are that away, but the majority is that away. They aren't truly shepherds. They are hirelings because all they are after is money from the people. I said it. I don't have to worry about being invited to their mega churches. But that's the truth. They're hirelings. But I'm not just going to attack some of those preachers. 
Some of us are guilty of looking down our noses at some of those people out there that are lost and in sin. We think we are better because we're not doing what they're doing. But the problem is we have forgotten where we come from. We have forgotten had it not been for the blood of Jesus and the grace of God, we'd be doing the same thing or even worse. Amen. That's the truth. Me and Lori, Joseph and Erica and the girls, kind of, before we come home Friday, let the girls get out to let out some of that energy. We went to this park, of course, in San Diego, beaches. We're sitting there, and we did get a little sunshine, amen? Too much, she says, but we were sitting there letting the kids play, and as we were Getting ready to leave, I kid you not. There was a gal there. At high, huh? Yeah. There was a gal there that didn't have any clothes on, pretty much. She, what she said, thought was a swimsuit, wasn't a swimsuit. Now, my first thought was, had to shake my head, Lord. But then I thought again. My first thought was, boy, I'm glad my wife doesn't dress like that. I'm glad my grandkids aren't like that. And I am. I'm very thankful. They're modest. They love the Lord. But my second thought was, you know what? That gal doesn't know no better. She just needs Jesus. She just needs Jesus. You say, preacher, did you go down there? No, because she walked off, and I, I didn't see her anymore after that. But that was my thought. But a lot of us would have looked down and said, hi, that hussy. Wearing like that, how dare she? Folks, she don't know any better. She's lost. Don't you remember doing things, dressing ways before you got saved? Well, you did it because you didn't know no better. You were lost. What you thought wasn't sin was sinful. But that's where Jesus comes in and changes us, doesn't he? He cleans us up. He points out our sin. So, he says, don't take a script. Take your staff. Put shoes on your feet and don't take two coats because you have to reach the common people. And we are in the world. No, we're not of the world, but we're in the world. And being in the world, we have to make up our minds that even though we don't condone what they're doing to reach them, we're going to have to go and talk to them, even if we're not comfortable. And I would have been very uncomfortable had that gal just hung around. I would have been very uncomfortable. But I wouldn't have had nothing to worry about because my little wife would have been right by me. Wouldn't you? (laughs) Amen. And she'd probably been holding a baseball bat doing this. 
But no, we have to reach people. And that was the point Jesus was trying to get across to the disciples there. You're not better than anyone else. Don't appear to be. Again, the Lord supplies our need, not our wants. Now, notice what it says in verse 10. Listen to his instructions. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. Notice again, the Lord is very instructive, giving him them details exactly what he expected and how he expected it to be done. He says, when you come to a place and they offer you hospitality to stay, you stay in that place and minister until it's time to depart and go elsewhere. You say, Brother John, why would he instruct them to do that? Again, he didn't want them jumping place to place because, oh, there's better accommodations over here. Do you see? Again, leveling the ground. I've said this many times. I'm sure y'all are tired of me saying it, but it bears repeating again. At the foot of the cross, the ground is completely level. Everybody stands the same. We're all sinners in need of the Savior. Amen? Now, notice what he said. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. Verse 11. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, understand, he's trying to prepare them. There will be people that will Reject the gospel and the message. You can't take it personally. And that's what he's trying to tell the disciples. Don't take it personally. And I'll be the first to tell you, it's human nature. We hate rejection, don't we? And we do, if we're going to be honest, we're in the house of God. We do take it personally sometimes. But remember, Jesus is saying, y'all, it's not you they're rejecting. It is me. Don't worry about it. In my time, he says, I will handle it. They have rejected the only means of salvation. And in time, judgment will fall upon them. Just like it did in Sodom and Gomorrah, and only it will be worse because we're talking about a whole eternity separated from God in hell. Think about that for a second. 
And that message is often rejected today. Seems like people are so unconcerned. But that doesn't mean we don't have work to do. You see, the field is white under harvest. We must be about our Father's business redeeming the time. Amen? Because He's coming soon. So He says, if they reject you, just shake the dust off your feet. Y'all ever done that? Oh, there's been many times back home in a community and I don't want your son slam the door in your face. Sit there and shake the dust off my feet. Say, hey, Lord, handle it. Go on to the next. And if I shake the dust off my feet, and I'm sure the disciples here, when they shook the dust off their feet, it was a testimony. They've rejected it. I ain't going back. Amen? Then notice what it says. And boy, I wish we'd take this to heart. Look at verse 12. And they went out. See any hesitation there? None. He's sending them out for the very first time. He tells them what they need to do and there's no hesitation there's no arguing and fussing saying Lord but wait we're not prepared oh we haven't had enough seminary we haven't been to the university we're not skilled no they were equipped they had everything they needed to carry out the work for God and the Bible says they went out wouldn't it be good when the Lord spoke to our hearts Concerning service, we would go out. Amen? And what did they do when they went out? Preached that men should repent. What was the message? Repentance. You see, There's more to repentance than just godly sorrow and guilt about our sin. Repentance is a change of heart and mind. You see, forgiveness is turning away from sin and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. They all go hand in hand. And I'm going to say this. And there's some folks may not understand it or may not appreciate what I'm fixing to say, but that's all right. You cannot be saved without repentance. Does everybody understand that? I have talked to people that think they can be saved without repentance, and they are wrong. Jesus said, except you repent, You'll all likewise perish. And that means changing your heart, changing your mind, 
changing your direction, changing your ways. Oh, I'll just turn over a new leaf. I gave up drinking. I gave up gambling. That's good. You need to. But if you haven't changed your heart and your mind about your condition spiritually as a sinner and changed your mind about the Savior and salvation, you're lost. Everybody understand that. What did they do? The Bible says they went out. And they preached repentance to men. And beloved, the greatest message that this world is in need of today is repentance. Amen. In fact, Paul said in Acts 17, men are to repent everywhere. Amen. And then... And they cast out many devils and anointed with all many that were sick and healed them. Isn't that what Jesus said they would do? Again, those gifts today are gone. Jesus still heals, He can heal. But me and you can't. Now we can pray for the sick. And yes, James does say if any sick be among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint your head with oil. But that oil also is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit. Those men have to be spirit-filled men of faith. But it wasn't the oil or it wasn't the faith of the men that prayed for the sick, it was the prayer of faith. It was faith that that sick person had and those men that prayed for that sick individual that healed that person. It wasn't something supernatural. Listen, if a person truly had the gift of healing, if he was truly God's child, called of God to minister to the world. If he had that gift, why isn't he up at the hospital every day and every night healing folk? If a person, and I've heard some, oh, I'm an apostle. Yeah, hooey fooey. You wasn't around when Jesus walked the earth. You can't tell me you're an apostle because the qualification of apostle according to the word of God, you had to be there when he resurrected and did see. But that you say you're an apostle and you can raise the dead, why ain't you at the funeral home? There wouldn't be a single funeral if you had that power and you were a man of God. Again, they had this power to authenticate that Christ was who he said he was. And again, please remember, those gifts don't exist today. 
and the next time you run into someone that claims that they do, don't debate them, don't argue, just walk away. Paul said, if a man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Why do you think he said that? Because there's a lot of ignorant people who don't want to hear the truth. Yes, you have the truth. And the more you're in God's word, the more truth he will share with you. But you've got to be in the word. got to allow the Spirit to have His way. And allow the Spirit to... Can I share one other passage with you? And I'm going to hush. Oh, Turn to John chapter 14 real quick. Now, again, this... Concerns what the disciples, they had power to do these things. But, but notice what the Spirit will do for us. Now this is John 14 and verse 12. Verily, verily, truly, truly I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go, what? Unto my Father. You say, well then, Brother John, you just contradicted yourself. You just said those gifts don't exist. They don't. But the greater works, <coughs> excuse me, the greater works that we're able to do today is because we have the completed Word of God and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. The greater works is, listen, it's one thing for a person to be healed during the time of Christ <coughs> or be raised from the dead. I mean, those are miracles. And that was just signs to show that Christ was God and the Messiah. But listen, those persons that Jesus healed back then, they still got sick and died. Those that he rose from the dead... They died again. But when the blood of Jesus saves a person, talking about a miracle, taking a lost, condemned sinner and saving him, washing him white as snow from sin and giving that person eternal life, now that's what I call a gift. when you and I use our gifts that the Lord has given us for His glory, He gets all the credit. So there's your gift. There's nothing greater than witnessing and sharing Christ and somebody recognizing they're a sinner and calling on the Lord. There's nothing greater so I want to encourage you in close. <clears throat> he wants us separated from the world. And he wants to send us out to serve. And the question is, 
Are you serving God? Are you willing to go wherever He sends you? Are you willing to be obedient and answer the call? And finally, my question, has God called you to salvation? You see, you can't serve God if you've never been saved. That's the question. Only you can answer that. Maybe you've been saved, but you haven't been obedient. You know God has placed a call on your life to serve, and yes, we all have various gifts of service for him in his church. But maybe you've just neglected it. You haven't done it. If God is speaking to your heart today, obey his voice. It's never too late. Just say, Lord, whatever your will is. I loved what it said in verse 12. And They went out. No arguing, no discussion. They just obeyed. May that be every one of us. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?